anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time, because you would see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this reason, the king was angry and very furious, and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. To pray with me. Father God, what a glorious, glorious day you have created for us today. Thank you, Lord. Just ask your blessing on this time, Lord, that you would anoint Jackie, that through him you would speak to us this morning, Lord, that you would open our eyes and you would open our hearts for what you have for us, that we would leave a changed people. May you be magnified and glorified through it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Seems like a bad day for Daniel, no? Last week, he was a hero. You guys know how quick you can go from hero to zero? <laughs> Don't take long, right? Man, all you got to do is watch the news a little bit, right? It's interesting as we, as we look at this section of scripture, I know everybody's excited because we're in Daniel, and Daniel's full of prophecy and really cool stuff, and there's this incredible dream we're going to get to eventually. <laughs> I don't know how long. It'll be a while. But... There's this dream we're going to get to and all this stuff that, that points toward future events. But listen to what happens when we do that. Because there are three, I'm going to say three books. I might change it next week. But I'm going to say three books in the Bible that were written as exilic books. Now, that doesn't mean they're the only three written during the exile. But what I mean is they were written for a specific purpose to a people who are exiled. So when they were exiled, I want you to think of it in these terms. They were believers in an unbelieving world. And there are three books written to them to tell them how to be believers in an unbelieving world. Now, does that not feel like today? Is today not a place where God is calling us to be believers in an unbelieving world? In a world that is rapidly deteriorating in its view toward uh, Christianity uh, in particular. 
And so as we look at it, I think there's some very specific things that God wants to show us. Hey, Jace, man, you got to go find me my glasses. Because I won't be able to read nothing. I just have to go by memory. I don't know if it's that good. Okay. So as we, as we look at what God has for us today, we want to see some very particular things. That Last week we saw that, that Daniel made a choice, right? He said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set myself apart. I'm not going to, it's not that one thing was right or another thing was wrong or this was good or that was bad. You're beautiful. Look at you. You're an overachiever. (coughs) You just want that on your next evaluation, huh? (laughs) I'll try to remember that. You guys have to remind me. Uh, No, I got three pairs. Perfect. Thanks, son. Okay, so, so last time, Daniel, it's not, it's not necessarily a, a list of do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs. See, that's what we are looking for as Christians all the time. We're looking for, just simply tell me what I got to do, what, what, what ticket I got to punch, where I got to sign my name, what I got to do. And, and really, short of, I mean, we had, there's obvious ones, right? Ten Commandments, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, right? We okay? But when we're talking about a list of how do I live my life, what choices do I make? What direction do I go? Left or right? Do I, do I work here or do I work there? All those things. God's, God doesn't give us a hard line so all our choices are made. Right? So we have decisions that we have to make. And Daniel made a choice. Last week, we looked at chapter 1. Daniel made a choice to say, look, I'm not taking all this stuff. I'm going to make sure to cut something away, to give something away, so that I can make sure God's got a right place in my heart. So I'm giving away the king's delicacy. I'm giving away all that choice food. I'm going to eat vegetables. It was quite the sacrifice for him, right? No? Some of you guys don't know that's a sacrifice? Do you ever had to eat vegetables all the time? Can you imagine something worse than that? That's pretty bad. Just so you know, you know, you know I am a, I'm a vegan. I'm a vegan. It's true. I, uh, they say you are what you eat, right? Isn't that what they say? You are what you eat? Last I checked, them cows eat grass all the time. <laughs> so that means cows are vegetables. That makes me a vegan. Otherwise, we're all in trouble. <coughs> but look, Daniel made some choices, right? He said no to some things in his life. Again, I just want you to focus on this concept. Not necessarily rights and wrongs, good and bad. You can make the case later with me if you want that it was against dietary restrictions. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. We just have to assume it. But what we know is Daniel cut some things out of his life to focus on God. To say, no, I want to make sure God has a good place in my life. That I keep my eyes focused on him. Because there's a lot of stuff going on around him, right? So he's doing a three-year training program in chapter 1. In chapter 1, we see him finish the three-year training program. They, They test him before the king, remember? And he's found ten times better than anybody else. You guys are with me. So then we flip over to to chapter 2, and some people get confused. I don't want you to be confused, so hopefully we'll answer the question. We flip it over, and it says, now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. Now, when you and I count that, we say that's two years, but last chapter, Daniel was there for three years. What's going on? Well, let me make it, it's really not that hard. It's really simple. In ancient accounting, especially for years of the king, they started with an ascension year. The year they ascended was called the Ascension Year. Then the following year was year number one, and then the year after that was year number two. So the Ascension Year wasn't counted. That's like when they're on the job training. You guys with me? I'm king. We're figuring it all out. This is the Ascension Year. 
So in the second year is really the third year for Daniel. And it says Nebuchadnezzar has a, has a dream, right? Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. And his spirit was so troubled that sleep left him. So we see this troubling spirit. Literally what, the, what, the, what it says in the, in the Hebrew. We're still Hebrew in, in this section. <coughs> at least for a couple more verses. He says uh, his sleep was utterly gone. So you ever had a dream and you woke up and you, and you just felt like there's something really important about that? That's what it happens in Nebuchadnezzar. He has a dream and it jolts him up. It's not like a crazy dream like we have falling off a cliff, right? And you wake up before you hit the ground. I'm the only one that has those. <coughs> so it wasn't like that. But he, he has this dream and he says, man, this is, I think there's something really important. And for the Babylonians, they felt like part of their, their culture was that gods, the gods spoke to them in their dreams. So he has this dream. Now I'm going to tell you, and, and you can argue with me later, but I'm going to tell you Nebuchadnezzar knows what it means. When you look at the dream, it's not hard to figure out. You don't need some fancy wise guy to tell you. He knows what it means. He don't like what it means. He don't like what it seems to be saying. He's not, he's not into that. And we'll talk about that some next week. But it's, he's bothered, right? He's bothered. It's bothering him. He can't sleep. He knows something is wrong. This can be real. What's going on? So look what he does. The king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans... To tell the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream. And my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Right then, it changes from Hebrew to Aramaic. If you were here last week, Jason talked to you guys about uh, the chiastic structure. Chiastic structure is just a mode or a method to help us in interpretation, which helps us understand the main point. And the main point of the book of Daniel is God is sovereign and you need to decide what you're going to do with him. Are you with him or are you against him? Are you for him or against him? Are you going to bow the knee like Nebuchadnezzar does in chapter 4? Or are you going to party with all the, the holy vessels like uh, Belshazzar does in chapter 5? So the chiastic structure, it's all in Aramaic to help us see, sets it apart so that we can look at it and see what's going on. That's the purpose of the book of Daniel. We get excited because there's a lot of prophecy. Amen? Though, trust me, we're going to get there. But we don't want to skip all this important application, do we, just to get to prophecy and talk about prophecy? Hey, I know that, that it seems like prophecy is unwinding and we turn on the TV and we watch it. I guarantee you there's some prophecies in Isaiah. I want to say Isaiah chapter 9 where God says, look, I'm going to give you children to rule over you because you guys won't listen to me. And if you watch any of the Republican debate, he's giving us children. <laughs> and I'm a Republican, so hey, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. That, but, but that is a judgment that God said he was going to send. But there's some specific things that we see in the exiles, especially in the book of Daniel, where God is telling you and I who are exiles, who are believers in an unbelieving world. This is how you can engage and impact your culture. This is how you can engage and impact the society in which you are despised. Just like Daniel. There's some things in this that we want to be able to glean, that we want to be able to take. So, it says, Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. Well, it kind of makes sense, right? Tell us a dream, we'll tell you what it means. The king answered and said, my decision is final. 
This, Nebuchadnezzar is like this, guys. Next week, he's going to build the statue and say, bow or burn. Yeah? Oh, probably won't be next week. In a few weeks. <coughs> he's going to build a statue, say, bow or burn. Uh, and, and when his best guys won't bow, what's he do? Throws them in the fire. That's how Nebuchadnezzar is. He makes a decision. He stands firm. If you don't tell me the dream and its interpretation, this is great incentive, right? I will cut you in pieces and make your house an ash heap or a dunghill, some scriptures tell us. It's all the same. A garbage pile. You get the idea? The, I'm not so thrilled about the cut you in pieces part, right? The, I could be okay make my house a, a, a garbage pile. I might be able to clean that out, but the cutting me in pieces is not going to work for me. He's going to cut you in pieces. However, if you tell me the dream and its interpretation, you will receive gifts, reward, great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream. Now, I want you to listen to what the king's saying. He's saying, I believe there really is supernatural. And I want to know what the God, the real God, has to say. What's he saying? Nobody can do what he's asking, right? Sure, tell me what I dreamed last night and what it means. In fact, the wise guys, they're, they're the first ones to say we can't do it. And there's a list of them. And I just want you to consider this list of the wise guys for me. I'm going to call them wise guys because it works for me. Wise guys. First group is magicians, right? Magicians. They're hartumim. Hartumim means a, uh, or it's a group of people that are sacred scribes that are super educated and very elite. So magician wasn't the guy doing juggling tricks in front of the king. <clears throat> That's how we decipher that word. But what that word meant was somebody was well-studied, super elite, you know, in, in whatever worldly wisdom there was, right? You guys get what I'm saying? The, the bright minds of the world. We can turn on a TV and, and listen to the bright minds of the world, right? There are bright minds out there. Well, for, for the Babylonians, they called those guys magicians because of, of their knowledge, the next group was astrologers. The astrologers literally were a group of guys that were called the whisperers. Whisperers of secret incantations. Whisperers of secret incantations. Uh, understanding mysteries. This was the, the group they called astrologers. They, they, they had these uh, spells that they would whisper. Next you have a group called sorcerers. The sorcerers are the Mecca Shephim. The Mecca Shephim uh, literally means mutterer. These guys are the witch doctors. Rattle the bones over you. They're, they're usually, their role was the concept of healing arts. <sighs> what do we do in the healing arts? And you had a group called the Chaldeans. Now the Chaldeans sometimes are mistaken just to be Babylonians. But the Chaldeans, specifically used in Daniel and other places, are the priesthood. They're the bosses. They're the head. So when the king is saying, I'm, I brought the wise men before me, he's bringing those priests, the Chaldeans. And he's telling them, you better assemble some wise guys that can figure out what this deal is, because I want to hear from Almighty God. And so he lays out a deal that only God can do. Only God can do it. He lays it out. Well, I just want you to consider all those wise guys. I just listed them all. Here's what we do. We think somehow Daniel's not one of those. 
He was in the top of his class. So he studied this stuff. You get what I'm saying? He's in one of these groups. What what do you mean, Jackie? I'm not sure I, I get what you're saying. Okay, hold on to that thought for a minute and think about this. What is the king going to do? Chop everybody up in pieces, make trash heap. That doesn't sound like a good deal. <coughs> so, you have three plans all working at the same time. Okay, three plans. I'm going to tell you the three plans. Plan number one, Nebuchadnezzar's plan. Nebuchadnezzar's plan for the people is assimilation. The United States plan for the people is assimilation. What do I mean by assimilation? I mean you, you lose yourself and become a part, absorbed into the culture. What do they call the United States? Melting pot, right? Same concept for the Babylonians. They have a three-year program to accomplish it. To accomplish assimilation. A three-year program. What was it? Eat special delicacies from the king, right? Change your diet. Have a liberal arts education for three years. They were taught the best that, the, that, that Babylon had to offer. Right? And then you have cultural immersion. We took you out of your culture and we stuck you in all this stuff. What was the goal? To abolish the worldview you came with and that you would assimilate the worldview in Babylon. That's the goal. And I want you to recognize that Daniel, he's one of them. He didn't skip class. He didn't, when they told him, you got to go to sorcery class and you got to learn these special incantations. He didn't go, you know what, I'm not going to do that. That's part of the king's delicacies I'm not going to eat. No, what did he do? He went and studied. The king tested him at the end of three years. You guys remember, right? The king tested him at the end of three years and said, you're ten times better than anybody else I got. What do you think he tested him on, the Bible? Do you think he sat there and said, okay, what happened in the Exodus? I don't think that's what he tested him on. What did he test him on? Babylonian culture. What did he test him on? He tested him on the things that he had been getting taught for three years. Does that make sense? Well, that kind of messes with my mojo, Jackie. I'm not sure where you're going with all this. Okay, let's just remember this part. Nebuchadnezzar's job was assimilation. Assimilation. You would lose your distinction. But in Daniel chapter 1, what do we see about Daniel? He kept his distinction. He was in them, but he wasn't of them. He was there, but he still had a distinct and good relationship with God. So that's plan number one, assimilation. (coughs) Plan number two, a fellow named Hananiah. You guys ever heard of Hananiah? You say, Well, it sounds like a Bible name, so probably. Hananiah was a prophet. Hananiah's plan for the people was separation. Hananiah's plan was separation. We're going to read about Hananiah's plan in Jeremiah 28. Now, admittedly, Hananiah's plan is the deportation that takes place after Daniel. It's a couple of years away from where we are in the story, but it still helps us understand the mind frame of the nationalistic uh, Jewish people under the the leadership of the prophet Hananiah, or at least so-called prophet Hananiah. So let's look at Jeremiah 28. This is Hananiah's goal. It happened in the same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and the fifth month, Hananiah, the son of Azur the prophet, 
who was from Gibeon, spoke to me, this is Jeremiah talking, in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests, of all the people, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. He is saying, I have broke the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years, I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house. That Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. And I will bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the captives, that's Daniel, all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, says the Lord, I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. This is Hananiah. He says he's speaking for the Lord. He's talking to Jeremiah in the temple. All the people love the message. All the people love what he has to say. But then the prophet Jeremiah speaks. Look, the prophet Jeremiah spoke to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests (coughs) and in the presence of all the people who stood in the house of the Lord. The prophet Jeremiah said, Amen. So be it. The Lord do so. The Lord perform your words which you have prophesied to bring back the vessels of the Lord's house and all who were carried away captive from Babylon to this place. Nevertheless, hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and the hearing of all the people. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord truly sent. So here's what happens. Jeremiah has been going around prophesying, telling the people, hey, it's time to go to captivity. Just pack up your bags and go. God has said this is the way it's going to be. Hananiah, the prophet, stands up and says, no, thus says the Lord, in two years we're going to have victory. In two years, God's going to put down that Babylonian king. So Hananiah the prophet is saying, look, don't go. Don't move in. You stay separated from them. Stay out. That's a horrible city. That city of Babylon. You don't go there. God can't want you to go there. You stay here. You stay separate. You stay away. So Jeremiah says, that's a great word. I hope it's true. But this is how I'll know. If what you say happens then you're really a prophet. But if what you say doesn't happen, then you're not. And Jeremiah leaves. He goes away from that place. Hananiah's (coughs) preaching, Hananiah's message, don't move into the city. Don't have anything to do with Babylon. Stay separated. Stay utterly away from them. Don't mingle in in any way. Stay separate. Remember I told you that Nebuchadnezzar's role was assimilation. Hananiah's plan was separation. Stay away. Don't get near him. Some of that dirt might rub off on you. If you get too close to one of them Gentiles, you you become a sinner. You'll become unclean. You need to stay away. Stay utterly, totally, completely separate. Don't live there. God's going to judge that city. God's going to pour out condemnation on them. And God's going to put us back on top. His message was separation. And you know, messages from most of the churches sound a lot like Hananiah's. 
Stay separate. Don't mingle with them crazy people. Just kind of flies in the face of one particular verse spoken by Jesus, doesn't it? Go into all the world and make disciples. It's hard to do if I stay away from them. If I isolate, that's hard to do. It's hard to do. Hananiah, separation. Nebuchadnezzar, assimilation. Both of those things are bad, aren't they? If I'm assimilated, what good am I? I'm just another Babylonian. If I'm separated, if I'm isolated, if I'm away from, what good am I? I'm, I'm holy and all that stuff is good, but, but they don't know. I'm okay, but they're not so good. Are you guys with me so far? But then we come to one of the greatest chapters of Jeremiah, right? Just turn the page, Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Let's hear what Jeremiah has to say. Nebuchadnezzar's plans, assimilation. Hananiah's plan, separation. God's plan, transformation. We've got to decide which one we're going to be in. What camp we're in. God's goal. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive. Listen to this phrase. It's important. Whom I have caused to be carried away. Why were the people being taken in captivity? Why were they going to Babylon? Who made the decision? God did, right? It says right there, for whom I have caused to be carried away. Who made the decision? God, right? God said, I'm telling you, it's time to go. You're going to go. How do you think that's going to work? How's it work with your kids when you say, go to your room, and they say no? How's that work? Who wins? Man, if you don't want to be driven crazy the rest of your life, you better win that battle. That's an important one. That's an important one. So here God is saying, go to your room. The people are going to go. (coughs) He says, I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Listen, this is God's plan for the people. Listen, hear God's plan. Build houses. Dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give them to your daughters, uh, to husband, so that they may bear sons and daughter. What's the goal? That you may be increased and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city. You see that part? Seek the peace of Babylon? He says, seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive. And pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in the middle of you deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, after 70 years. How many years? Two? Is it two? Oh, it says 70, don't it? After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit and perform good towards you and cause you to return to this place. Here's one you know. 
For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. What was God's purpose? Transformation. What's Nebuchadnezzar want to do? He wants to assimilate. He wants to turn everybody into carbon cutout copies of the guy before. He wants to use all the wisdom of, that they have in Babylon to change the way they think, the way they act, the way they eat, the way they do everything. Hananiah doesn't want you to even go. Don't even go. Stay away. But what does God say? God says, I want you there. I want you in that place. This is the city where I have carried you. That's God's word to Daniel. It is my plan that you are believers in an unbelieving world. It's my plan. It's God's purpose. For what? I want to renew you. I want to change you. I want to grow you. I want to change them. I want to renew them. I want to grow them. So what did God do? He took Israel out of power. And he planted them there as servants, as believers in an unbelieving world. And God does it to transform where you are. Not so you can assimilate, not so you can separate, but so that you will transform where you are. So that you can transform the land to which he has taken you. God is saying, look, the only choices is not assimilate or separate. God's saying, I deny that's the only choice. The only choice is not assimilate, is not separate. He says, first, I want you to increase and not be diminished. You guys see where that's at? I want you to increase and not be diminished. If I'm assimilated, what happened? I'm diminished. I lost myself, right? I'm no longer distinct. You guys with me? I've lost my worldview. I've lost my faith. I've lost what I held on to. I'm assimilated. I've been diminished. God says, I don't want you to diminish. I want you to increase. I want there to be a distinction between you and them, but not a separation. I want a distinction so that your life is still holy, so that you still reflect (coughs) a relationship of God in your life. It comes shining through. But I don't want you to become like everybody else. And I don't want you to hide from everybody else. Don't lose your identity, but stay in covenant with me. Stay here with me. And how are we going to do that? A couple other things. He says, I want you to be deeply involved in Babylon. He's not just saying have some kind of surface deal, is he? He says, I want you deeply involved in what's going on. I want you to build. I want you to settle down. I want you to plant. I want you to eat. I want you to marry. I want you to live right in the middle of them all. I want you to live. I want you to be who I've called you to be right there in the middle of an unbelieving world. I want you to be a believer in the middle of an unbelieving world, in a place that hates you. I want you to be in that place because I'm not looking, God is saying, I'm not looking for assimilation. I'm not looking for separation. I'm looking for transformation. I send you as salt and light 
to a lost world. Now what Jesus said? What's the purpose of salt and light? Transforming. Right? What does light do? Turns away out the darkness. I turn on the light, what happens to the darkness? It goes away, right? That's transforming, isn't it? You turn on a light in the garage, then the garage transform? Leave the light off and try to walk in there. See what happens. <sighs> Leave the light off and try to walk in my garage. You've got boxes everywhere. And I got this dumb cat. You guys ever had a dumb cat? I got this dumb cat. As a, what, what, Jackie, what does this have to do with the Bible? Nothing. Just listen for a minute. I got this dumb cat. What's that dumb cat do? That dumb cat is pretty sure that the only place in the entire earth it needs to be is between your feet. Just rubbing between your feet. It Seriously, I'm thinking it's brain damage. I have stepped on that cat a hundred times. And it, 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 it doesn't really yelp. That's what a dog does. What's a cat do? I don't know. The cat version of a yelp. And then it runs away. And I think, okay, it learned. No, the next time I walk in here, it does the same thing. If I don't turn the light on, <coughs> I'm tripping over a cat, falling in a box, being wadded up in the middle of a garage I can't get out of. So if I want to transform that area, what do I do? Turn on the light. Isn't that what God's calling us to do as believers in an unbelieving world? Is that not what God has Daniel in the middle of Babylon for? To turn on the light? Didn't he set him right there before a king who said, I want to know if there really is a God. So you know what? I'm not going to tell you guys what I dreamed. You tell me what I dreamed. And if you're wrong, I'm going to cut you into little pieces because you're lying to me, pretending you can do it when you can't. I want real. I don't want fake. He says, I don't want some kind of religion. I don't want some kind of bogus thing. I want somebody. There's got to be somebody in this whole kingdom that knows for real. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar's looking for. <clears throat> and that's why God has Daniel there. The third thing he wants him to do, he says, pray. What did he say? Pray for Babylon. That kind of cracks me up just a little bit. You know, I told you the Bible's a story of two cities, right? City of Babylon, the city that's in rebellion against God, and the city of Jerusalem, the city of God. So you got the city of, of God and the city of man. City of God, city of man. What does he say? Go there. I'm putting you in the middle of the city of man. I'm putting you in the middle of a place full of unbelievers. <clears throat> and here's the reason I'm putting you there. Pray. Pray for him. Pray for the prosperity of Babylon. It's just so you can kind of get your mind wrapped around it. These are the guys who just drug you out of your homes took you in chains, made you slaves in a foreign land. You with me? Pray for them. Pray that they're prosperous. Because if they're prosperous, God says you'll be prosperous. Pray for their peace. Why? Because if they have peace, what do you have? Peace. He didn't say, don't separate and, and you know, wave the finger at them. Oh, you dirty people. You dirty, wrong, doing... Now, I'm not saying that we don't call sin, sin. That's not what it's about. What's it about? Transforming. How do I transform? I turn on the light. <laughs> you put a little salt. You can usually tell if you put salt on something, can't you? Yep, pretty quick. Mm, oh, salt. Put salt in the pie sometimes instead of sugar. See if you can tell. You just transformed that pie, didn't you? 
Okay, we don't want to do it that way because that don't taste so good. We want to transform it in a good way. We want to transform it in a way where we're bringing the light of Christ and faith into an unbelieving world. And then that is making a transformation in the area that we're in. So he's saying, look, I want you to transform them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Decision 2016. Franklin Graham said, I'm going to go all around this nation praying for this election. We can sit around and complain about it. I can sit around, I can watch, I can turn on, I'm sorry, all you Trump fans out there, but you guys are crazy. (laughs) (coughs) That dude gets, four people like that, we're in trouble. (laughs) Okay, anyways, it doesn't matter. What are we supposed to do? Pray. Pray. Pray for the peace of the nation. Pray for the prosperity of the nation. Spread the faith. Pray that there'd be revival. Where's revival started? Don't start out there. Where's it start? In here. It starts in here with me. Everybody's waiting for it to happen someplace else. It's got to start in me. Help people who are in need. Look for ways that we can love the city. Look for ways that we can pray for the city. That we can love the city of man for the sake of the city of God. Because God has put us here. For such a time as this. God didn't, God didn't go, you know what, I, I, I really messed up. I meant to send you back a hundred years where things were better. But I slipped and you landed in where, where things were kind of cruddy. Nope. He put you here for such a time as this. For what purpose? To shine a light. To be salt. To pray. To transform our, our towns, to transform our cities, to transform our neighborhoods. Why? How? By turning on the light. By turning on the light. Not separation, not assimilation, transformation. God wants to transform what's being done. We know it because he tells in, in Romans chapter 12, don't he? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present yourself, what? Living sacrifice, Right? Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, not supernatural, not super crazy, not exceptional, reasonable act of service. It's reasonable for you to present yourself as a living sacrifice. And then what's he say in verse 2? Do not assimilate. You see it? Do not assimilate. Don't be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That you might prove. Now think about Daniel. Daniel's a prophet. Daniel is God's man picked for that time, right? No different than you are God's man picked for this time. Daniel was God's man picked for that time. He believes in God. He's utterly and completely monotheistic, right? He's kept himself distinct. He's utterly, radically committed to the exclusive sovereign God of the Bible. Radically focused on all that God has for him. And what else? He's in civil service. In those days they called him wise guys. You could say he's part of the cabinet. Couldn't you? Look, in a, in a few verses he's going to be number one. You get down to, to verse 49, 47, he's number one. So, 
He's in civil service. He excelled in the liberal arts. How is that possible? I don't know. He had to go. He had to learn. He went. He did it. He excelled. He was better than anybody else. Ten times better than anybody else. In his wisdom. That doesn't mean he was assimilated. What's it mean? He was transformed. He was transformed by the power of God working in his life. He is one of those wise men. He's in that list somewhere that we read. Daniel's in there, right? We read about because when the king says, look, oh, kill all these guys, they're idiots. What's it say after he, they start killing wise men and what do they do? They look to kill Daniel. How come? He's one of the wise guys. He's one of the wise men. But here's what I love about Daniel. He did not assimilate. You know what Daniel calls himself always? Daniel. He never says, I built a Shazar. Maybe at that time that was a really cool name. Now you're thinking, I would never run around saying, I'm Belteshazzar. That's way too many <coughs> syllables. He stays Daniel. You get it? He didn't lose who he is. He stays Daniel. He didn't separate. He didn't utterly run away and live outside the city somewhere in a little cave. He was right there in the palace. Right there with that crazy king. Among all those crazy people. Doing what? Turning on the light. For such a time as this, he remained distinct. Now, back in Daniel chapter 2, the wise men start to go a little crazy, right? Look at it, verse 7. So they answered again and they said, Let the king tell his servants a dream and we'll give its interpretation. <coughs> and the king answered and said, I know for certain you're just trying to buy time. You would gain time because you see my decision is firm. Look, if you cannot make known to me the dream, there's only one decree for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know you can give me the interpretation. You understand what the king's saying? Look, you guys are a bunch of liars. You tell me you have special wisdom. You, you say, just like Hananiah, you say, thus saith the Lord when God didn't say. So I've decided i got a test for you. I'm going to know for sure, because I know what my dream was. So you tell it to me. Or you're not speaking for God. And I'm not going to have your lying words around me no more. That's Nebuchadnezzar. That's his call. But can we do that? Well, what's the next thing they say? They can't do it. The Chaldeans answer the king and say, there's not a man on earth. Were they right? Yeah and no. But mostly, look at it. There's not a man on earth who can tell the king this matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked of any wise man, any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It's a difficult thing that the king requests. There's no other one who can tell it to the king except for the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Only the gods can tell you. Just one little problem. According to Isaiah, like 44 to 48, there are not gods. There is only one God. His name is Yahweh. We know He's God because He tells us the end from the beginning. Not only does he tell us the end from the beginning, he tells us the future and he tells us the past, and he explains to us why the past happened. 
He said, that's how you'll know that I'm God. Because I'll tell you those things. And those are some of the things we're going to be getting into in Daniel. But today I just want you to see Daniel is placed in the middle of this crazy place for the same reason you were placed in the middle of this crazy place. To turn on a light. To put out the salt. To transform the world around us. Because if, you, if you're familiar with Daniel at all, you know the rest of the story, right? There's not a man on earth who can tell you. Okay, there's one. But the only reason he can tell you is because he's got a special connection with God. God has shown it to him. God's going to reveal it to him. But they can't do it. They can't do it. They need God to do it. So it says in verse 12, look at it. <clears throat> For this reason the king was angry and very furious. And he gave command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. How would you like to have your name start with A on that day? I used to wonder in class, man, them, them lucky kids to get to be first all the time when they do roll call. You know, the kids named the Adams or the Archibalds. They're just somewhere there in the front. I was a Roberts. I was toward the back. There was people who had it worse than me because occasionally there was somebody behind me. You know, you had to have one of them kids whose name was was something weird, right? Yazimataz or something. And they had to go last. So the king says, I just want you to say, I just, just see how critical the, the time is. When Nebuchadnezzar said, start killing the wise men, do you think they didn't start? You think he didn't start with the, the best guys, the guys that are sitting there? You guys don't know? Kill these guys. Kill them. So they began to kill the wise men. The only way that's going to stop is, is with Daniel. Because what's he there for? To be assimilated? Well, if he was, he's going to die like the rest of them. To be separated? If he was, he couldn't be there at that moment. He'd be in his own little place, not worried about them at all. But he's there to transform. Right? So when all that stuff starts happening, Daniel's there to throw up his hand and say, Whoa. Let me pray a couple days because there's a God in heaven who can tell me what you want to know. Daniel's there to transform. So the decree went out. They began to kill the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So if you want to know what happens, you've got to come back. <clears throat> can anybody do this? This only for a select few. You want to know whether or not, where, where, what category you find yourself. Have you assimilated? Have you lost your distinction? Is there no longer a difference between you and everybody else around you? You just do what they do, say what they say, act like they act, do what they, you know, you're, you've been assimilated. You're just another Babylonian in the city of Babylon. Have you separated? Are you so isolated that you're not able to be in a, in, a, in a place to help someone in need? What did Jesus say? He said, when, he's, when he does the separation of the sheep and the goats, what's the deal? How does he decide the difference between sheep and goats? Matthew 24, 25? The, the separation of the sheep and the goats, how does he do it? Well, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. 
When I was in jail, you visited me. And they said, Lord, when did we do any of this to you? And he said, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. But if I'm separated, am I there for the hungry? Or the naked? Or the imprisoned? The impoverished? The sick? Is that just a job for the preacher? Or is that the job for the church? Is that the job of the church? Have we assimilated? Have we separated? Look, we are to be distinct and connected. Just think about that. We're to be distinct and connected so that we can engage an unbelieving culture where they live. Distinct and connected. It's not one of the two. It's not assimilate or separate. It's remain distinct. Engage. Engage. That's what he's calling us to. That's how we're going to transform. That's how things change. If we don't do that, nothing changes. But you know the good news? God's patient. He gave these fellers 70 years to figure it out. 70 years. We can wait. But I just want you to understand, by the time we finish the book of Daniel, I just want you to understand, you know why the captives leave? Because one man prayed. And his name? Daniel. One man. There's not one here. There's not one guy to stand in the gap. There's not one woman to stand in the gap. There's not one person here who says, I want to remain distinct, but I want to be connected. I want to engage this lost world with the truth. Because that's the nuts and bolts, folks, of what God has saved us for. Not just so we can be comfortable and happy. That may be part of it. But so that you can turn on the light. So you can make a difference. So before we look at the prophecies of Daniel, we better understand the application. What are you going to do with it? Make your head bigger? The Bible says knowledge puffs up. But love does what? Builds up. Knowledge puffs up, makes my head bigger. Love reaches out, touches somebody else. Love reaches out and builds something else. Love reaches out and helps. Love reaches out and becomes a part of a solution. Remaining distinct in a lost world. Believers in an unbelieving world. You ready? All right, let's go. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.